And I'm really praising God for seeing all the children sitting here. Uh, yeah, because you know, now back in Malaysia, children are not, uh, yeah, they are not going to church. I mean, some have not been to church for, what, a year and a half now. And, uh, and I'm so encouraged to see the children sitting with their parents here. And what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to get you involved into the sermon because God wants to speak to you, right? So I want to share a story. I think you know the story. There's uh, this Dutch boy in Netherlands. Right, you can see he is uh, putting his finger in the, in the hole of a dam. Right? Netherlands, if you know anything about Netherlands, is, uh, is a country with a quarter of the land below sea level. So to protect the land from being flooded, uh, they have dams around the country. So this Dutch boy, this is a legend, this is not, you know, true story, but it's, it's good. I was impressed when I heard it when I was in school, and, uh, and I think about you children, <laughs> I want to share this with you. So this boy saw this uh, crack in, uh, in a dam, and he figures that he needs to do something because the leak... Uh, will grow, the hole will get bigger, and before long you might you know, have a burst and a tsunami, right, uh, will kill many lives in the, in the city. So he put his finger in the hole, and uh, yeah, I think the story goes like he waited there, waited for some adult to come by and help fix the hole. But he has to stay there through the night, cold night, and still putting his finger in the crack. And, uh, and praise God, true enough, next day, next morning, some adults come by and saw this boy almost like got frozen to death, but his finger still stuck in the hole. So why am I telling this story to you? Well, there, there are cracks in the church as well. And you might be the boy, you might be the girl that helps to put your finger in those cracks. So you ask, what? Are you talking about the wall, the cracks? Yeah, that's right there, a lot of big cracks. You've got to put your you know, <laughs> fingers there. No, we're not talking about the building. We're not talking about the bricks and the walls. We're talking about the church, the people of God, you, you heard the prayer, you heard the reading of Scripture. The church is the gathering of God's people. It's not the, the bricks, it's you, it's, it's me, it's the person sitting next to you, the person in front of you, the people of God, redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Sadly, they are still cracks in the people of God, uh, like cracks in our relationship. Probably this morning, you don't like the person sitting in front of you, or 
yeah, you are not happy because your parents drag you here and, uh, and you have to endure my funny accent and, and here you are. Relationship. Yesterday at the park, some of you came excited. You were going to meet some stranger from a far away land, but you didn't even see who he, he was. <laughs> and uh, sorry about that. Uh, yes, this is a stranger from far away land. And uh, so you, you see, there are just so many reasons for us to get mad at one another. And that's that's where cracks happen in the church. We got angry, we got bitter, we, we keep offenses in our heart, we don't see eye to eye, even at church. What happened to those cracks? Yes, just like the crack in the dam, it will burst. And lives will be destroyed. And you here, you need to hear from God because God in His words have given us all the instruction that we need to keep His people strong as the prayers you heard that we are the people of God. We meet together. We point people to the beauty of Jesus Christ. But what you will learn in Ephesians chapter 4 that you have heard, we need to be diligently preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's, that's another word of saying you need to fix all the holes in the fellowship because those cracks... Those are the cracks that cause disunity and cause problems and cause a lot of hurts in our hearts. But God calls us to be diligent to preserve the wholeness of the body of Jesus Christ. We, we can't afford to have uh, holes. We can't afford to keep sin in our hearts. And it is sin that causes all the cracks. And I'll show you another picture. You see what's happening back home. There's so many holes. And there's us back home trying to stop all the leaks. That looks more like me. Trying to <laughs> but we praise God. We praise God. Today, in His Word, you're going to learn Three important instructions, three important directives from the Word of God to keep the body of Christ in one wholesome body of Jesus Christ. And what you will learn in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, as you have read, the importance of preserving the unity in the body of Christ, but you also learn we need to preserve the unity is because we have a high calling in Jesus Christ. You and I, redeemed by the blood, we have a high calling. High calling. Back in chapter 1 of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 4, it talks about you have been chosen before the foundation of the world. You have been handpicked when? Before you 
existed before this universe existed god had you in his mind and it's the church of jesus christ that redeemed the elect of god god had them in mind before the foundation of the world this body of believers high calling i want to even share with you in chapter 1 you can read about paul praying for the church back in ephesians chapter 1 you will read paul's prayer he prays for example uh, verse 18 i pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So what you learn in Paul's prayer, Paul is praying for the believers that they will know their high calling. It is a high calling, how high is that calling? Even in Paul's prayer here, the last verse that I have read, God put Christ as head over this body and what you see is that Christ reckoned himself to some degree incomplete until he is united to us. That's I got that from John Calvin. That is the highest honor of the church. The Christ, we talk about the beauty of Christ. The beauty of Christ will not be complete until the body is united to the head. That's you and I. Isn't that high calling? So our unity is so critical to the glory of Jesus Christ, to the entire universe. In chapter 3, verse 10, Paul said, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is put on display. Through the church, He is glorified. Are those cracks critical? Yes. It's critical. And he has given us his word to deal with those cracks. In fact, go beyond dealing with those cracks. Chapter 4, he talks about we need to be united and grow, united to the head and grow because that magnifies the glory of Jesus Christ in the church. So these three Instructions is so important for you and I to strengthen our relationship in the body of Jesus Christ. The first one, first one is very simple. 
put off the old self. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 to 32, that's where we get this first point. Put off the old self. Look at the text. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. This is taken from the passage from verse 25 to verse 32. It's a passage God is giving to the church to help them live out, live out their new life in Jesus Christ so that they can be united to the head and glorify God on this earth. So I picked 31 to 32 because it deals specifically with relationship with one another. How are we to conduct toward one another? How are we to behave with each other in the body of Jesus Christ? That's verse 31 and 32. It is right here, the three directives, divine directives for you and I to put into practice to glorify Christ in our relationship with one another. So the first one, put off or put away the old self. Well, we don't have time. From verse 17 to 24, Ephesians chapter 4, that's where Paul highlighted the importance of putting away the old self. But here in 31, Paul went into detail what are the sin of the old self that you have to get rid of. You have to get rid of old self. So you might ask, who is this old self? How come this, this old life? Yeah, before anyone comes to Christ, they live a sinful life. The scripture called that the old life, the old self. But now they've been saved, they are no longer to live in this old life. Living in the old life is like, like, like us. You know, we just, last week we got a flight. I mean, we flew all the way from our country and arrived here, you know, like three days later or two days later, we were stinky <laughs> after the long flight. And we moved into a beautiful missionary home. Beautiful. Imagine we carry all our old bags, all the stinky stuff into that beautiful room. So unworthy of that. That's, that's exactly... Christian, if you have been saved, you have been given the new life and you still bring all your stinky clothes, old bags into that new home. Yeah, that's, that's the picture. So Paul said, put them all away. Put them all away. It's in the imperative, in the Greek, meaning it's, it's a command. It's God commanding the Christian, you got to get rid of the old stuff. 
Don't bring that into that new, beautiful body of Jesus Christ. The new creation is fantastic. You can read Ephesians chapter 4, how God described our new creation. Like verse 24, Ephesians 4 verse 24, put on the new self, which is which in the likeness of God has been created in true righteousness and holiness. That's the new self. Imagine bringing all our old self into this new life. It's just, yeah, it just it spoils everything. And it creates all the cracks in the fellowship. So verse 31, you, you ask, yeah, what causes all the cracks is right there, verse 31. So we got to get rid of them. The first in the list, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, first in the list, the old life, the first sin he identified, bitterness. Bitterness. What's that? Bitterness. It describes a person's attitude. It's, it's a resentful attitude and it's put first in the list probably because it is where the other sins uh, develop from this one. This is like the start of all the other cracks. Resentful attitude. How that happened when you keep a grudge in your heart. That is the beginning of bitterness. When somebody sitting next to you didn't greet you this morning and you were offended, that's keeping a grudge. That's the beginning of bitterness. And the roots will spread deep. Right? Hebrews 12 talks about the roots of bitterness. It's like the tree in Africa, the, the Sherman's tree. You know, the tree has like 30 foot high. Right? You see the tree 30 foot high, but 200 foot deep. And the roots are really deep. And that's what happens to, to us if we keep grudges or keep unforgiveness in our hearts. The roots of bitterness will go really deep. It goes so deep and the cracks will just defiling. It's just, it's just poisonous. It's just it's so destructive to the fellowship. This bitterness is a resentful attitude. It is a hostile mind. There's no love in it. It's destructive. So that's first in the list. It leads to other sin. As you go down the list. And the second is what sin is that? Wrath. It's not God's wrath. God's wrath is holy. This is sinner's wrath. Another translation, rage. Just uncontrollable rage, wild rage. And that, again, create, it create many holes in your care group. 
in your fellowship, when you have this rage, you know, comes from the, the, the bitterness that has taken deep root and now it developed into rage, wrath, sinful wrath. Then you, next you have anger. Anger. One translation for anger, fury. Fury. Red hot fury. That's, that's when you see faces turn red. So furious, sinful. And that, sadly, we see that in our fellowship. We see that in our fellowship. Then you have next, clamor. Clamor, other translation, shouting. It's good translation. It's the idea of shouting, yelling, quarreling. It's a forceful, aggressive outburst of a person's temper. It makes the person scream and yell at the other person. You might think this happens outside of church, like Pastor Joshua talks about the spitting woman, but it happens in the church as well, right? Some don't show it, but inside, that's, that's exactly what is happening. The yelling, the screaming inside is this sin. It's what causes all the holes in the dam. Then next, you have slander, familiar to all of us. Abusive speech. The speech that defames the other person or denigrate the other person. Uh, the root word of this slander in the Greek is where you get the English word blaspheme, blaspheme. You're blaspheming the other person. Bad-mouthing or character assassinating. And I know of a person he was convicted by this sin and he revealed that a lot of times this sin is committed in the bedroom, behind closed door, where couples come together, they slander, or when roommates close their room door and, and they begin to assassinate the other brother or the other sister in the church. It's so wicked, right? It's so wicked. Imagine, we talk about the beauty of Christ. It's where you see the beauty of Christ here and now you have this old self destroying every bit of that beauty in the church. Then Paul ends this verse with, with all malice, with all malice. This has the idea of, yes, it's comprehensive. All malice, malice is the word we can also translate it into evil, evil. All evil, together with all evil, 
we are to get rid of. And Paul gives the emphasis that this is going to be comprehensive. It's like, it's a determined effort that you have to work hard to uproot every bitterness, uproot every wrath, anger, slander, and with all malice, let the glory of Christ fill His body with all malice. Because the cracks are very destructive. Destructive. So that's first, put off, put away the old self. That's a command. And there's another command. That's verse 32. That's put on the new self. Simple imperative. Put on the new self. And Paul gives some details. Verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other. Be kind to one another. The word be in the Greek, yeah, that's where you get the imperative. Become. The idea is become kind. Yes, we can become kind because God has done His work within us. We have been regenerated. We have been made new. Now we are to walk worthy, our, worthy of our new life. So we put on the new self. Be kind. Live it out. That's in you. All the power of God is available to live this powerful life as we have seen that in Paul's prayer, chapter 1, that we have been given all the divine resources to live out this new life in Christ. So put on the new self. Be kind to one another. Kindness. Kindness. What is that? Look Gospel of Luke 6.35, you get a vivid definition of this kindness. In Luke chapter 6, verse 35, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord said this, But love your enemies, verse 35, and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. So this kindness is illustrated here. The kindness of God, that we have the divine resources to be like God, to be kind like Him, and Christ Give us the details, what this kindness is about. Love your enemies. That's, that's divine kindness. Human kindness, they won't do that. They hate their enemies. But for us, in Jesus Christ, we have the new life. We can love our enemies. So when you love your enemies, you don't have enemies anymore. And more than that, do good to them. That's kindness in action. Do good. The idea of be benevolent, right? Benevolent. You want to benefit them. You want to bless them. 
more than that, this kindness also generous, generous land. As the Lord says here, land expecting nothing in return. Generous. It's a generous kindness. So be kind to one another. Don't let any old self spoil this kindness. Be kind to one another. And next to that will be tender-hearted. And it's so critical for us to learn this putting on the new self. Because so often we just like to put off or put away sin. Well, Jerry Bridges, in his book, The, Doc, uh, the Discipline of Grace, he talks about uh, putting off and putting on is like, like a scissors, right? You need a, a pair of scissors. You, you need to have two blades to cut. You, you can't cut with just one blade, right? How do you cut, right? So it's here. You need to put away and you need to put on. There's, there's the pair of scissors, the, the two blades to cut. It's like the, the Siamese twins. You can't have one without the other. But the problem is most of us, we focus a lot on putting away sin, but not putting on Christ. But we need to have both. In fact, uh, Jerry Bridges, he talks about at a retreat, he was preaching this putting on and putting off sermon at a retreat. After his sermon, four or five people came to him. They want to find out how to put off sin in their life. But nobody come to him asking him how to put on Christ in their lives. And later he gave some insight. Most likely, we, we focus a lot on putting off sin because we don't like sin. None of us want to have any of the verse 31 in our lives because they are so bad, right? And more than, they are so bad, more than that, it's also, uh, it makes us feel defeated. It makes us feel ashamed of our wickedness. So that's why our focus on putting away is stronger than putting on. But that's not good. That's not good. Because there, you see, again, the self is coming in, right? You see, you see the self coming in? That's the self because... The self wants to feel good about the self. So putting off sin yeah, make me feel good. But putting on Christ, that's not in my priority. But here you have verse 32 to show you that yeah, it's Siamese twins. You can't have one without the other. Don't let yourself come and destroy this word of God. You need to put on Christ. You need to put on the new self. Be kind to one another and be tender-hearted. Tender-hearted, the idea of having a 
a heart that feels, you can, you can feel the pain of others. Be tender-hearted. Puritan Matthew Henry, be tender-hearted, he said this, that is merciful, having tender sense of the distresses and sufferings of others, so as to be quickly moved to compassion and pity. That's tender-hearted. John Calvin again, concerning this tender-heartedness, he said this, this will lead us not only to sympathize with the distresses of our brethren as if they were our own, but to cultivate that true humanity which is affected by everything that happens to them in the same manner as if we were in their situation. The contrary of this tender-heartedness is iron-heartedness. Have you seen iron-heartedness? Iron face, there's no feeling. Even though they know the brother or the sister in the church are not doing well, they just don't care. They don't have, they don't have heart for them. That's, that's sinful. The new man, the new woman, Paul said, be tender-hearted then you have forgiving each other. Paul put this, the last one, but, but it's the important one. In fact, it is like more important than the previous two, forgiving each other because he expanded it with more words. Be forgiving, right? forgiving each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven you, forgiving each other. This forgivingness, being forgiving, is so, so vital to the health of the fellowship. If we are unforgiving, fellowship will not, will not grow. It will You'll be filled with holes. Filled with holes. Unforgiveness is not only deadly to the life of the body, but also so offensive to God. As Paul highlighted the rest of the verse. He said, just as God in Christ has forgiven you, Unforgiving, as Timothy Lane and Paul Tripp, they wrote a book on relationship. It's helpful. They said, when we choose to practice true forgiveness, the relationship is not just brought back to where it was before the offense. It actually moves further down the road to maturity. That's, that's wonderful. It's so critical to the health of the body of Jesus Christ. Because whenever we forgive, as I have quoted, it not only brings back to where it was before the offense, it actually moves further down the road to maturity. You want to see mature relationship in the church? 
put on this forgivingness. But if you want to see immaturity, childishness, like the church of Corinth, quarreling, fighting, division, disunity, then be unforgiving. You'll see tons of that. And you will not have any joy in the fellowship. Be forgiving. Just very quickly, think about, think about the Lord Jesus in Matthew 18. If you read Matthew 18, verse 21 to 35, the context of Peter coming to Jesus, asking Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother who, who keeps sinning against me? Seven times? Is that enough? What did Jesus say? Boys and girls, where are you? How many times should you forgive? Jesus says 70 times 7. It's not a number. It's, it's like unlimited, right? As, as long as you are still alive, you forgive. Because that's God-like. That's God. In that parable, Matthew 18, 21 to 35, very quickly you learn about the parable of the unforgiving slave. Remember that? He was forgiven by the king of 10,000 talent. What happened to him when he got that huge debt cancer, right? The king cancer his debt. 10,000 talent is, is the largest term, largest numerical term at that time. It's like today, the largest one will be what? Trillion? I don't know. Anyway, so 10,000 talent is like huge, infinite number. And some have counted, if you were to work and pay this off, it takes 150,000 years to pay it off. Assuming a day's wage is one denarius. So what happened? This slave left the king and saw another slave who owed him how much? 100 denarii. And he wanted to choke him to pay him back 100 denarii. Long story short, the king got to know about it. And the king got this unforgiving slave in prison. He, he needed to be tortured to, to pay what he owed to the king. So the idea is, God who has forgiven our infinite debt, the debt of sin against the infinitely holy God. I mean, no amount of money, no amount of effort can make any payment to that debt against the infinitely holy God. But this infinitely holy God forgives your debt, my debt, because of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. And can you imagine, and you walk out, and you see your fellow brother, your fellow sister, who stepped on your toe the other day, and you want to choke him, or you want to choke her. That's crazy, right? And that's exactly what we do. And we created so many cracks, so many holes, 
be forgiving. The last point is this. You must see relational challenges as opportunity to reflect God. You must see that. Because that's the last part of the verse, verse 32. Forgiving each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. The word just as in the Greek has the idea of to the extent that you have been forgiven, so do likewise. To the extent that you have been forgiven, go and do likewise. Be like God, which is chapter 5, verse 1. The next verse, you know, in the original Bible, there's no chapter division. So the next verse says what? Be imitator of God. Imitate God, especially in the areas of forgiveness. Be God-like. Just as God in Christ has forgiven you, you do likewise. Because it's, it's, it's so wicked, right? It's, it's so unchrist-like. If a believer keeps offenses, little one, hundred denarii, whereas he had been forgiven infinite debt. This is important perspective, important perspective, and I, I praise God that God put it in, because as we get caught up in the mess of relationship, you are familiar with all the hurts, all the disappointment, all the pain. And when you are caught in the midst of it, it's true. We, we lose our perspective. We get bitter. And we might not admit it, but we are not seeing eye to eye anymore. We don't have that love anymore because we have harbored this unforgiveness. But we need this perspective because so often we are tempted when we see all the cracks and we, we are blinded to our own cracks and, and we feel like giving up, right? We feel like just, just walk out of here. It's enough. All this body thing is enough, right? There's just our wicked heart telling us to, uh, to choose our own way, the self again, the old self, but not when you, lead, when you see the Word of God, God is calling you, no. No, this, this is my directive to you, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Be imitator of God. Be God-like. What a privilege that you can, you can be like God in the relationship. You can be like God in your care group. That's, I mean, that blow my mind. I mean, I can be like God in the midst of all this mess where this guy you know, just, you know, just always rubbed me the wrong way. I can be like God to him. Yes. Because you need as much as God that they need to show you as this sinner is. 
That's the beauty of the power of God at work in the church. Forgiving each other just as God in Christ also forgive you. William Henderson say this means just as freely, generously, wholeheartedly, spontaneously, and eagerly, so you do likewise. Moreover, all the injuries that we have ever suffered because of the ill will of our fellow man, fellow brother, fellow sister, can never be compared with the abuse he, the Lord, the sinless one, endured, being spit upon, maligned, crowned with thorns, crucified, yet he forgives. Yet he forgives. On the cross, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Have you ever wondered why God put us in such a difficult relationship? As much as we want to have some really nice, satisfying relationship, but in the church, have you ever wondered why God just doesn't make relationship easier? We often think that if God really cares for us, He would make our relationship easier. This is what Tim Lane and Paul Tripp talks about in his book. He said, in reality, a difficult relationship is a mark of his love and care. It's actually his love and care. We would prefer that God would just change the relationship, but he won't, he won't, he won't be content until the relationship changes us into the image of Christ so that we can image God, so that we can reflect Him. So what happens in the messiness of relationship is that our hearts are revealed, our weaknesses are exposed, and we start coming to the end of, our, of ourselves. Only when this happens do we reach out for help God alone can provide. Weak and needy people finding their hope in Christ's grace are what mark a mature relationship. Weak and needy people finding their hope in Christ's grace are what mark a mature relationship. Friends, how are you doing in your relationship? Are you sinning or are you obeying God's directive? And I encourage you, follow God's directives. That's the way to live. That's the way to thrive in the church. You want to see the church manifesting the beauty of Christ in all His amazing beauty? Follow his directives. But if you say, you know, I'm, I can't help it. I'm, I'm still very bitter. Even as I'm hearing the word of God, I'm, I'm not agreeing with God's word. This is impossible. This is crazy. You mean I have to forgive that person? You mean I have to love and, and be kind and do good to this wretched soul? 
Well, if you have that thought very lightly, you need to repent and believe in Jesus Christ and be born again. Because un not until you are born again, you don't have the grace or the divine ability to do what God says. Friends, if you are not a believer, this is a time that God calls you to repent. Wherever you are, you want to put an end to all this sin in your hearts, in your relationship, come to Jesus Christ today. He is the Prince of Peace. He alone can bring peace to your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, have mercy. You know how desperate we are for your grace. And you see all the holes in our midst. Lord, help us. Put on Christ. Put away the old self and reflect your glory in your people's fellowship. Do the deep work of regeneration, O Lord, even for those who are yearning for hope today, that you alone can give hope. So, Lord, we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, lift up, lift up the hopeless soul that they may find hope in the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, that they can love another person for the first time with the love that you have demonstrated on the cross. We give you thanks for we pray all this in the name of Christ. Amen. Please stand. Let's sing, there is a fountain filled with blood. And as we reflect on Christ's sacrifice, we can look forward to the day where uh, the ransomed church of God will be saved and we will sin no more and we will have that perfect fellowship with one another. Mm -hmm.